It's a Monday mailbag. We've got my questions about the prep class for the 2024 MLB draft, and we've got MLB.com's Jim Callis to answer them. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and today's episode is made possible by our friends at Jace Medical. Take care of yourself with a Jace case, a personal supply of five antibiotics that treats 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Use code locked on for $20 off your order. That's Jace Medical, J A S E Medical.com. A little bit of a different mailbag today. I had questions about the Prepsters in the 2024 MLB draft. Everydayers know that the weak spots for me are international free agency, which I know that was today. I've got an expert hopefully coming on the show to talk more about it, uh, as well as Prepsters in the MLB draft, right? So MLB.com's Jim Callis, senior writer for MLB Pipeline, came on the show. I asked him all the questions that I had, that the Discord had, about the, the prep class in the upcoming MLB draft, what could change between now and then, and who might, uh, who might make a, a leap in production after the draft. Hope you enjoy. really excited to be joined by MLB.com senior writer Jim Callis. You know him from MLB Pipeline. You may know him from Baseball America before that. Uh, Jim, welcome into the show. Thanks for coming on and giving us your expertise. Oh, yeah, no problem, Lindsay. It's like, uh, we'll, we'll tell your listeners, we, we spent like 10 minutes talking SEC football. <laughs> because it's, Lindsay's wife went to Georgia like I did. So that uh, that opened a, a wound. Uh, I'm still sad they didn't get into the playoff. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk prospects as well. Yeah, it's a big uh, it's a big football day down here in the South with Nick Saban retiring. Uh, but like, Kind of looking at some of the at these prospects and things, one of the the areas that I've noticed that I struggle with it feels like is uh, preps in the MLB draft, and so trying to get better. That's why I, I wanted to bring an expert on. And from the outside, it feels like the 2024 draft class, like the the prep draftees, it feels like it's kind of a weak class, especially at the top. Is this something where? I'm maybe we're looking at this too early and not accounting for what they do in their senior seasons, or is this a different level of, of talent than usual? No, I think you're, you're, you're correct, Lindsay. I don't think it's too early. I think this year's draft, like last year's draft was atypical. You know, we had five guys who were potential number one overall picks in a lot of drafts, including a pair of high schoolers and Walker Jenkins and Max Clark. Mm-hmm. There's nobody like that on the high school side. I mean, that's a really high bar, but there's there's not really a high school guy, I think, in the mix to go number one overall or even really in the top five as of today. Might not even be top 10. I mean, we're going to see a lot of college guys taken. It wouldn't be impossible to see 10 straight college guys at the top of this draft. And I think it's partially because I do think the colleges are above average. Um, you know, we put everything on the 20 to 80 scale. I'd say the college crop this year is probably 55, mm-hmm. but I think the high school crops like a 40 or 45 where, where 50 is average. It's not particularly deep. You know, sh- you, you always look at high school shortstops. It doesn't look particularly deep in shortstops at all. There's maybe one who's projected to go in the first round right now. 
um, and that's a lot lower than usual. Um, we had, we were talking about, I think eight guys last year could have gone the first round and, and I think seven or eight went in the first and supplemental first round. Um, there aren't a whole lot of pitchers we're talking about, like is, is, you know, slam dunk. Like teams don't like taking high school pitchers in the first round, but there aren't even a lot of candidates that we're talking about right now. Like, Oh, they could take this high school guy in the first round. So no, I, I do think it's, it's a down class. And, and the, the, the weird thing is this may sound funny. The spring matters. But it doesn't matter as much as it will for the college guys because your typical high school guy, who are you facing in the spring? You're not going to be facing that many pro caliber players. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like this, you, you kind of – what you do on the showcase circuit and in the fall of Jupiter at the Worldwood Bat, that carries a lot of weight because it is a showcase circuit and you're not necessarily seeing a pitcher two or three times a game. You're, you're getting guys in shorter looks. But like, if you're a hitter, you're facing a lot better pitching, and, and vice versa. If you're a pitcher, you're facing a lot, you know, deeper lineup than you're going to face in the spring. So yeah, I mean, the spring matters, especially for high school guys who are still developing physically. Um, you know, for pitchers, the stuff can get better. For hitters, you can get bigger, stronger, faster, and that gets factored in. But in terms of like on-field performance, like you could pretty much that haze mostly in the barn at this point. Like going out, like I, I live outside of Chicago. And like, if you're playing up here, like I'll give you what Ryan Sloan's one of the best high school pitchers in the country, mm-hmm. but I don't know how many, the, the competition Ryan Sloan faced on the showcase circuit this summer is so much better than what he's going to face, you know, top to bottom in a lineup this spring that, you know, I, I'm sure he's going to dominate anyway, but like, and, and he had a good summer, but you're just not, you're not going to face anywhere close to the same competition you do at those big events. Um, and so, yeah, guys will get better and they'll improve their stock. But it's not like it's not like college where you can have guys go out and perform and you know why Lankford leads the nation in extra base hits or Paul Skeens. I mean, and, and their their tools matter too. Paul Skeens strikes out two hundred guys. Like the high school stats and performance don't really mean that much. So I, I'm I'll be very interested to see how it shakes out. But I do think just the nature of this draft. Uh, I should probably figure it out at some point what the record is for most college picks at the top of a draft. But it it might be this year this draft might set it. And and looking at the MLB pipeline top uh, draft board here, there's there's two preps inside the top 15. And that it feels like I haven't seen that few in the top 15 in forever. I think it's Connor Griffin at eight uh, and PJ Morlando at 14. And yep. kind of lends to that point of the top of this draft just really feels like there's not the number of, of prep guys as usual. Not because anything they did, but one, there's a better than average college group and then uh the the big question i think i have is because the competition doesn't really matter in the spring for the prepsters so is there anything that an individual player could do like say a pj borlando to move up like into that top five or into consideration for a lottery pick does it require some sort of exponential growth at a showcase and exit below significantly above what he's done or anything like that or is it kind of too little too late at this point no, I mean, that's, I wouldn't say too, too late because like, I think back to Jackson Holiday. Right. Jackson Holiday went out and he, I think he tried to do too much on the showcase circuit with going into the 2022 draft. Mm-hmm. And I think most people thought he was like a second round pick, like sandwich round, second round pick going into his senior year. And then I'd say like, it did not take long for guys seeing him. And it's like, I mean, because the one thing we have to remember with the high school guys is they do develop, they're still developing physically. Mm-hmm. And Jackson 
he like improved in every phase of the game. He was bigger, stronger, faster, um, throwing better. Didn't try to do too much at the play. Like he wasn't facing the same competition, but the swing was just better. He wasn't trying to do too much. And like, I'd say within like 10 days of his high school season starting, I was like, Ooh, this guy's going to go top five. So, you know, the thing is with Orlando, he's not that kind of athlete. He can hit. I think he's the best all around hitter in the high school class, mm-hmm. but he's a first baseman or left fielder probably. Um, and I don't think you see too many left field first base types coming out of high school go at the top of the draft. I mean, it's weird. this is a weird draft because we have like, you could argue that four of the top eight college hitters in this draft are first basemen. So it's like, and, and, and then you have J.J. Weatherholt's playing shortstop. He's our top rank guy right now, but he might be a second baseman. And Travis Bazan is a second baseman. So it's, it's not a lot of premium positions. I, I'd say the guy who I think, you mentioned Griffin. I think Griffin would be the guy who has the best chance because he's like he's more tooled up like we gave him 60s and 65s 60 power 65 runs 65 arms 60 field he didn't have a great showcase circuit now in his defense he had a shoulder injury at the end of high school season and i think it affected his swing so nobody's really holding that against him but that, that would be the question on him is like he didn't have a great showcase circuit but i don't want to say excuse i mean connor griffin's like going oh my shoulder hurt but like people are like, you know, you didn't necessarily see him at his best. So you're talking about a 30-30, like potential. Like if he hits his ceiling, he's a 30-30 center fielder with gold glove potential, um, which is really good. Yeah. So, I, but like now the, the tricky part is he's playing at a prep school in Mississippi. So his competition, like he, he might hit 700 and it doesn't mean anything. Um, like it's not like people go, like, oh, he hit 700 instead of 500. So, but I, I think if he... You know, again, it's tough against the competition. Like, like you, he, if he, let's say, and I haven't broken it down. I don't know. He's probably going to face a couple. There's always a couple guys with live arms in, in Mississippi. So he's probably going to face a couple teams that have really good pitchers. And let's say he's locked in and just, like, is barreling the ball up and making hard contact. You know, that might help him. But, I, but I'd say he might be the guy because I will say, if you look at our list, the, the top of our list, like I said, it goes – it's all college guys, but if we want to be devil's advocate, like, like, and and be pessimistic about positions these guys are going to play, it could be second base, first base, second base, first base, first base, center fielder who did not hit well at all last year in Vance Honeycutt, mm-hmm. first base. Those are the guys we have ahead of Connor Griffin. So if he goes out and you feel better about his bat this spring, not based on performance, but just it looks better, um, and all the other tools are still there. I can see Connor Griffin being that guy who could sneak up at the top of the draft because, I mean, we could be talking about a bunch of second basemen, first basemen at the top of the draft. And even though they're college guys and they can really hit and they're going to get there quick, you may have a team that wants like more of an all-around player. So I, I think whereas Morlando is more kind of in that same boat, like Morlando, you're, you're, you're buying the bat. And it's a really good bat. I think he's going to hit mm-hmm. for average. I think he's going to hit for power. But, you know, he's not – trying to think of a good example he's not like a a dh only like he's not a slug but like none you, you're you're not going to play premium div- position it's an average arm kind of it's you know maybe an average left fielder like so you're buying the bat and there's but and so that's getting compared to college guys who might be the same thing but they, they perform well at higher you know your jack heckling owns your charlie condon's and tommy white's that type of thing like those guys are probably gonna go ahead of him so i i think connor griffin is probably the big hope 
to go at the top of the draft out of the high school crop. Although, like I said, using Jackson Holiday as an example, like Jackson was more that kind of more second rounder than first rounder, and then he wound up going one one. Yeah, it's it's it feels like we know a lot, and at the same time, there's so much we don't necessarily know. And in just a second, I do want to ask a question specifically about that shortstop, the the one that we kind of have out of the prep class. We'll do that next right here on Locked On MLB Prospects. Back to our conversation with Jim in just a minute. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL regular season has concluded, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet an absolute winner with FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your ride, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions do apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers lindsey crosby jim callis here talking about the 2024 prep class of draftees and uh caleb bonimer is the shortstop out of i think it's okamos michigan uh, there's a lot of talk about he's a guy that has a high floor, right? That he is, he should be able to stick at shortstop as long as he doesn't grow too much. If he has to go to third, he'll be fine. Uh, somebody who's looked at as a high floor player in the prep class. Uh, is that something where teams like the the stability of knowing that floor is high? Or in the first round, are you still looking for the overall ceiling versus the 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 floor of a prepster? Well, I think he still has ceiling too. Um, you know, he's got some of the best bat speed. Um, I think it's well above average raw power. You know, it's interesting because I got mixed reports on him, and, and I finally figured out why. I was asking somebody. It's because he he was he was really good at some places on the showcase circuit. Like he homered twice at Perfect Game National, kind of kick off the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, toured up the area code games, but then he like really struggled East Coast Pro, and he wasn't as good at other events. So depending on who you talk to when you saw him. There's guys who think he could be a top 15 pick. There's mm-hmm. other guys who are like, I, I don't know that that guy's a first rounder. So the, the floor and ceiling are kind of the eye of the beholder. Like I, and it's where even his running times, he takes a big swing. So he's a below average runner out of the box. But in the 60 yard dash, not you're running straight 60 yard dash in a game, he can be plus. He can run like a 6'6. Six, six. So you, I, I'd say on him, like opinions are kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that some people might think that the floor, that the ceiling even stands out more than the floor. Um, he's interesting. I, I do think he's the best high school shortstop out there. Um, depending on how much you think he's going to fill out, he's 6'1", 195. He's kind of sturdy. Like, is he quick enough to stay at short? Maybe he's more of a power hitting third baseman. But I have guys who think he's one of the best high school hitters in the circuit. And I have guys who are like, ah, I think the bat's more fringy. Um so he's he's kind of a tough one. But like again, 
And like, you're not going to face a lot of top competition in Michigan, but if the guys who really like him, see him really good this spring, yeah, he could go pretty good too. I, I wouldn't say necessarily top five, but I could see him going, you know, in the upper half of the first round if he, if he does what he needs to in the spring. It, it, it reminds me of a profile like a Brady house was in 2021, as far as just the, the frame, some of the potential, maybe him having to move to third base. Is that kind of, we don't like to do comps on the show, but when it comes to a prepster and trying to figure out what their game might be, it feels like that's an easy way to get an idea of who they are as a player. Is that kind of track or? Yeah, he's kind of, I'd say he's kind of like the discount version of Brady House. Like, oh, no, diet, I mean, di- I don't mean that as negative. Yeah. I mean, Brady House was a guy we thought could go in the top five picks in the draft. Right. And, you know, I, I think Brady had more power and a stronger arm and he was more physical. Like, he, you know, like maybe a little bit better hitter. Um, he didn't have a great showcase circuit um, after he did. He did after sophomore year, but after his junior year. But yeah, I, I think he's kind of in that mold of a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just kind of a discount version of it. Yeah. And somebody that, that I watched pretty closely for you, Prepster, and I think it's the Auburn connection there, is Colt Emerson from last year's draft. And one of the absolute best debuts of Eddie Prepster in that class last year when he got into Seattle's organization, both in rookie ball and then in, in Modesto. What, like, who is the guy in this draft in your opinion, that could get into minor league ball and just absolutely kind of explode like Cole Emerson did? I think it might be Slade Caldwell. I, I think mm-hmm. he might be the best prepared to hit, and he's got some other tools as well. Uh, it, it's interesting because he's, he's 5'8", 175. He's a high school outfielder from Arkansas. He was Gatorade Player of the Year as a junior last year. Um, broke a fibula while he was trying out for Team USA, but he's healthy now. He's just really, really dynamic. Even though he's 5'8, he, you know, he's just and he, he's well above average runner. So he, you think, okay, leadoff type, that's kind of the the stereotype there. And he does have a good approach, makes line drive contact all fields. He, he's got, you know, smaller strike zone. Those those shorter guys have shorter levers, shorter swings. Mm-hmm. Makes it easier for them to get the bat on the ball, catch up to the high fastball up in the zone. But he also has a lot of bat speed. And he's not gonna be a slugger. But I think he's strong enough and the bat's quick enough. It could be a 15-homer guy. I kind of liken him to, like, the outfield version of Jet Williams, who was the Mets' first-round pick a couple years ago. I've run that by guys, and they're like, yeah, that's a good call. And we were kind of aggressive with Slade. We put him at 20th on our preseason draft, top 100. And I think he could go higher. Um, I just think he's the type of guy – it wouldn't surprise me if he went closer to 10 than 20 when all was said and done. I just think he's really going to hit, and he can play. You know, he's playing up the middle. He can really run. I, I, I think he just reminds me so much of Jet Williams. I think he's been one of those guys. And everybody loves the way he plays the game. Constant energy, and going into the year, two years ago, Jet was a second round pick. Again, there were questions. He'd had, I think, a shoulder injury, and people weren't sure if he could throw one off a shortstop. But everybody kind of loved him. And then you just talked to people some the spring, and, every, and just every time you talked to people, he was moving up boards. Everybody loved him. It just like very talented kid who was fast, play premium position, plays with energy. And I think Slade's going to be that guy. And like I said, I, I just think he's equipped to hit, especially, you know, jumping into rookie ball, you know, maybe some single A. Like, I, I don't think he's going to have any trouble handling, you know, that, that debut. So he'd be, that's weird. I've never been asked that question before, Lindsay, like guy who might come out like the high school guy and have like, and perform the quickest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Slade fits that bill. He, he's, I mean, not that I don't like, like we split the draft up at, at pipeline. Mm-hmm. 
Jonathan Mayo has half and I have half. We divide up geographically. And so I have kind of Griffin. I have PJ Merlin. I have the Southeast minus Florida. So I have Griffin. I have Merlando. I have Slade Caldwell. And I'm not saying Caldwell is better than those other guys, but, but Slade might be my favorite guy. Just, it, it's just the way people talk about him. I think everybody just like thinks he's so dynamic and he just always plays hard. He, he's, he's kind of fun. So I'm curious to see what's going to, how he's going to handle this spring, but I think he's going to come out and perform really well after he signs. Yeah, he, he's one that's getting a lot of attention. And I think there's some people that are assuming, yeah, he's going to have that growth spurt and get that extra two or three inches between, you know, when we saw him last year in the draft. But even if he doesn't, he's still going to be an absolutely dynamic player. And I think the Jet Williams comparison is a really, really good one. Part of me, not knowing as much, had been thinking, is this more of like a Corbin Carroll type of game? And well, yeah, it's, people it's throw hard. that out yeah. there. Yeah. But I just... Corbin's like already one of the, like Corbin last year. He's one of the top, yeah. top 10 players in the national league. And like, I just don't think like, now I'll admit when Corbin was coming out, I, the one question you had to Corbin was how much impact is he going to have? Mm-hmm. Like Corbin, like, I think now we're all going to accept, okay, Corbin's a 25 plus home run guy and there might be more power to come. I don't want to, I, I couldn't put 25 homers on him, but like you do hear the Corbin Carroll comparison because yeah. he's a small dynamic, stronger than he looks um, outfielder. You do, you do get that one. I just, I shied away from that one because I thought Corbin was, I mean, I forget where he finished, but I mean, Corbin was probably one of the most valuable players in the, in the national league last year too, as a rookie. So I didn't want to quite go that I, I can't do that on the power, but, but I will say at the same stage of their careers, their power was probably similar. Yeah. So there is a path there. And, and yeah, if nothing changes, we'd love our short Kings on the show. We're going to absolutely be, be big fans of, of Slade Caldwell going forward. You got to add Slade to that. He's he's good. Question about, about obviously a lot of talk about the top and some of the lack of depth here, but who in this class, like I guess a day one option here, are we not talking about more out of the prep class that we really should be paying attention to because either they're going to surprise us, we're underrating them, or they're going to be drafted a lot higher than we're expecting. You know, the guy who I think is flying on the radar a little bit is is Rustin Rigdon from Georgia, from Georgia. He's a Georgia high school kid. We've got him ranked 57th on our list. He wasn't really at his best on the showcase circuit over the summer. He had a injury to his right elbow, had Tommy John surgery. He's going to miss part of the season, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some talk that he might try to play center field and throw left-handed. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's true. I have to check into that. Yeah, but it's wild. I do think he's like the Georgia high school crop is not as strong as it usually is. I don't think there's going to be a first rounder out of Georgia. Right. But I do think scouts will tell you he's the best high school hitter and the best prospect in Georgia. He's maybe not the most famous guy. He's a switch hitter. He's better from the left side, but it's an advanced approach, makes a lot of contact. Um, you know, this could be a high average guy who hits 20 homers per season. Solid runner, good instincts on the field, on the bases, pretty smooth at shortstop. Um, we just don't know what the arm's going to be. You know, is I think, I mean, it's not like a pitcher, but I'm going to use the word sat. Like, I think the arm sat at average and flashed solid before he had the elbow reconstruction. Mm-hmm. So we just don't know. But like, you know, like, so I think he's a guy, he's committed to Vanderbilt. So, I mean, that might make it even tougher to sign. It will make it tougher to sign. So who knows exactly what he's going to be able to do this spring. And it could be that he wants to go into Vanderbilt. And in three years, he's one of the best hitters in the SEC. 
And then we can talk about this in 2027. Lindsay, you can remind me that I brought him up. But I do think he's kind of uh, he's kind of that guy who's who's flying under the radar. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more at you, and it's kind of a okay. similar situation. It's a, it's a kid named JD Dix who's from Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's kind of an underrated source of talent. And he had the same thing. Like he had a shoulder injury that required labrum surgery in the fall, and he was definitely not his best. But he wanted to play against best players in the country, so instead of shutting down, he played at less than 100 percent all summer. Um, and, and he was famous early in his high school career, you know, didn't blow guys away last year, but I, I do think this is a guy who could have, I don't think the power will be there, but I think all the rest of the tools could be solid. Could be a 15 to 20 Homer guy. I think it could be, I had somebody drop a DJ LeMayhew comparison on the offensive game, but he's a twitchier athlete. Like yeah. it was hard to know what to make of him this summer. He's had solid arm strength in the past, but it, his shoulder was all messed up. So it, it wasn't good. He played all four infield positions. He just wanted to play. And I think a lot of guys do respect that. And so this is one where I feel like, you know, like I was telling you about with Bonnever played really well at some of the national events. And some of the local area guys who saw him at stuff were like, ah, we haven't seen him as good. And, and J.D. Dix is almost the opposite because I think the area guys have seen J.D. Dix play really well, like since he was a sophomore in high school against older players. Um, but then when I went to all these national events, he wasn't 100%. And the, and the national, the cross-checker scouting director types are like, you know, he didn't look as good as I heard. Um, but I, I think both those guys are flying under the radar because they weren't 100%. But I kind of – and I know scouts do too. I respect both of them because they wanted to play instead of just, okay, I'm not my best. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to have surgery. They, 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 they gutted through it last summer. So I like both those guys. And I'll be curious to see where exactly they want to go. Dix is, compared, is committed to um, Wake Forest. Which is again, I mean, that's one of the premier programs in college baseball. So, like, I don't like it, it's very possible that that neither of those guys are signable in the, in the long, you know, in the end, and they wind up going starting college in their first round picks three years from now. But like, I think those are probably the two guys for me who I think are flying under the radar the most. Listen, I I save all of these video files. We will pull that <laughs> reel out, and in three years from now, you can take your victory lap on it. Uh, we'll give it to you to play at the draft if you want to do that. Um, last question, just thinking about the, the, the JD Dix thing real quick. He's, if my math is right, he's already 18 years old and, and there's some teams we've seen get heavily into the models and it takes into account those, those prep players, whether they're 17 or 18 at drafting. And you have guys like Cam Caminiti who, who reclassified and then they're going to be young on draft day. Is that something where have you kind of, anecdotally noticed a correlation between the guys that end up being older on draft day may, are the ones who are more likely to make it to college? Or is that just kind of one of those coincidence kind of things? I think it just depends on the player. Um, Cause it depends on where you go in the draft. And it's funny. Cause I, I I'm not going to talk for 20 minutes, but this is like a pet peeve of mine. I get looking at age and you're mm -hmm. right. JD Dix will be, he, he turned 18 in October. So he'll be 18 in nine months, I guess at the yeah. draft or, or just about, but I think people get hung up on it too much. Like it's one of those like Mike Trout was young. And so, but like anytime you look at a draft study and you put Mike Trout in a category, that, that demographic, like we're not just going to go draft every high school hitter from New Jersey. Thank you. Mike Trout's Trout. high yeah. from New Jersey, but like, 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 yes, if everything's equal, although mm -hmm. I would submit that very rarely is everything equal between two prospects, but yeah, I could see where you'd want the younger guy, but to me, talent's talent. Like, couple of years Bobby Witt was 19 
Like, but, and you, but you're right, Lindsay. There are yeah. teams that will not draft a 19-year-old high school player in the draft. Like, totally out on him. I remember when when this was an issue with Brett Beatty because Brett Beatty was like 19 and three, or not. He was an old 19 or, or mm. almost 19. I can't remember exactly, but he was he was extremely old on the high end. And and I had teams telling me they wouldn't draft him, and I was like, well, what if he goes to Texas and he tears it up, and he's like a draft eligible sophomore in two years? Oh so, yeah, we take him in the first round. I'm like, it's the same player. Like you got to project the, project the guy the same way. But anyway, like Bobby Wood Jr. was 19. Are we not going to take Bobby Wood Jr.? Like Colson Montgomery's one of the best prospects in baseball. He was 19. Mm. And that's all you heard going in that year. Oh, he's 19, Indiana, 19, Indiana. Can't take that guy. Colson Montgomery is one of the 10 or 12 best prospects in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to go way back. Manny Ramirez was 19. Oh, heaven forbid, can't take Manny. Like, he's playing inner city New York high school competition. He's old. Like, like that. that's not going to melt in. But no, but it's so anyway, a pet peeve of mine is that, that, that teams, there will be teams that will not touch a 19 year old high school player in the draft. But yet, if that same player comes out and he's, 21 year old sophomore eligible in college it's like oh let us add him let us add him like we, we like that guy and it's I, I don't get it so like to me evaluation's evaluation that's part of the package and yeah maybe the 19 year old has less projection than 18 year old or the rare 17 year old but that's part of evaluation it, it, like to just assume that every 18 year old is better than every 19 year old is crazy but I, I think it just comes down to the player so i don't think there's necessarily correlation although there are fewer teams that will draft the 19 year old so theoretically maybe it's harder for him to get his asking price met but i don't think in in general that that it, it's just an automatic that the older guys will want to go i, I do know off time ahead like dakota jordan's and like like a sophomore eligible this year mm-hmm. um i i don't have them off the top of my head but i know there's a number of talented sophomore eligible prospects who were all 19 a couple of years ago yeah uh jim thank you for your your insight your knowledge your your time where can folks go to obviously read all your stuff see see what you write everything like that yeah everything's at uh, mlb pipeline which is part of the mlb.com website um the great thing i always whenever i plug our stuff is that it's all free like we have our top 100 prospects list will be coming out in a couple weeks then it's team top 30s we already have our draft list out all of our lists, all of our reports, all the video, all the grades, it's all free. I mean, obviously, MLB.com wants to promote the game of baseball, so they make the stuff available to everybody. And then I try to tweet about it um, at Jim Callis MLB. I always talk about how I interact with fans on Twitter, and I do. I don't do it as much of it as I feel like I should, especially like we're busy right now doing the top 100. But like I try to mention what I'm doing and and, and what we're up to as as a site there, but uh, no, this was fun, Lindsay. It's we should definitely talk draft again or prospects as it gets closer. And uh, yeah, it's it's it, we we did our draft list already. We did about a month ago, and now we're so in top 100 and top 30 mode for teams. Like we don't kind of dive back into the draft till after spring training. So this was kind of fun. It gave gave me another taste about a month after our ranking came out. And I know when the college season starts in mid February. Like I'm like itching to do draft stuff, but we have all our our prospect and spring training stuff too. So, see, good timing and yep. a, a question you've never been asked before. Um, yep. folks, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Farm. Reminder: we have mailbags every single Monday, and then until spring training, Tuesday through Saturday, we have five shows coming out every week with our previews for the farm systems for each team, going division by division. We should be on the central divisions this week, so. You have six shows in your inbox this week. Until next time, folks, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.